Hello and welcome to First Seven Inch Club episode 75. First Seven Inch Club is a podcast where we dig up seven inches from the past within the realms of hardcore punk and metal and discuss whether or not they're worth being remembered. We'll also provide facts and trivia that we get from the internet and our own personal experiences. Uh, we don't consider ourselves know-it-alls or experts, but many other people do. Here and there we get things wrong. Uh, recently, a friend of the show, Nate Wilson, suggested maybe we change to Bing instead of Google because we get so mm-hmm. many things wrong. So I have uh, updated all my home pages to Bing.com, and uh, I think <laughs> I, I think I did well this week. I think I did well in my research. I am Mike, and with me is Scott. Mike, there's a, there's a YouTube channel a lot of people in the Discord seem to be into named uh, Paging Mr. Morrow. Yes. And I don't really get too into it because it's like it's too long and it's too much for my attention span. But I'll take I'll take a quick shot describing it. And you could just feel free to correct me or jump in if you want. But I think that this is a Disney adult Mm -hmm. and he's literally a fedora guy in every way. Like he wears a literal fedora and is kind of a fedora guy. Mm -hmm. He's got a bit of a persona and he's got even a voice that sounds like a cartoon character. He's got real friends and he's kind of lovable and super upbeat, but he's also very out and out a fucking for real all the time Disney adult who goes to Disney World a lot like almost every day. Oh, uh, literally every day, yes. <laughs> literally every day he goes to Disney World and he eats like crazy expensive Disney World food and he drinks a lot of like alcoholic expensive Disney World drinks. I don't know if he does that all the time, but he definitely gets really drunk like he becomes a bright red sphere once in a while, drunk on crazy Disney drinks. And I just found out he also has an uh, a bathroom themed on the office. And he says that's because he considers his bathroom to be his office, which makes sense if you're eating three Disney World meals a day. <laughs> so my point in bringing the, is all that correct? Did I do I have the the general strokes of that correct? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much spot on. My point in bringing him up is, I was catching up on this podcast called Sounds Like a Cult, where they just talk about like various subcultures or trends or whatever, and whether it's culty, and they have like you know guidelines or whatever, and they did one on Disney adults, and they go through all the different levels of the Disney adult mania and like you know where you're at in the, in the Disney adult cult status. The highest form of Disney adult is when you move to be closer to the park. <laughs> Guess what just happened? <laughs> like while I'm listening to this podcast, which is from like a year ago. So they don't know this guy a year ago. They were just talking about something that's happening right now. Mr. Morrow is moving closer to the park, which means he's about to reach his final form. Mike. Well, technically I think he already had moved to be closer to the park. He's just moving oh, really? again to uh be clo- i guess closer to a different part of the park but i think it might be a longer drive but um it's a i guess it's a better area for him or something i haven't been to disney world in a long time but i remember uh when you drive to disney world you drive through nothing for a long time so i don't know if maybe that's changed but i can't even like he must have just did he buy a shack in the swamp i didn't think there was anything even a, i didn't think there was any humanity around disney world i thought they owned like a blast crater all around disney world and you couldn't get close to it uh, you may be right because um, he, he when he's explaining so his origin story he has a whole video that's just his origin story and it's weird and sad and uplifting and it's everything all at once but uh, basically yeah he moved from Pennsylvania to a 600 square foot apartment in uh, yeah. Florida like wherever the town floor of Disney celebration, is in, celebration. celebration Florida and uh, yeah he, he said he was like two miles away uh, from that when he was in that apartment, but he lived like near an abandoned motel and like even when he moves He's like, oh, yeah, there's no pizza places in my area So I think you're right mm-hmm. because it's impossible to I don't care where you live you live in the sticks There's still a pizza place. So right he, he must uh, you you must be right about the the swamp land of that area 
<laughs> yeah, it looks like he. Does, I wouldn't say he leads a dark life. I don't really understand if he does or not. I've seen videos where he's hanging out with a lot of people who seem to be happy to be hanging out with him. But uh, I also don't understand going to Disney World every day by yourself, an adult man going to Disney World every day by himself and eating all that food. Like, I don't know if he's independently wealthy. I don't know if that's a mystery that anyone has explored. To, well, to my knowledge, it's the the trips are what is paying for him to be able to go to Disney World is because oh, okay. he's it's I think it's the point where it didn't start off as his job. Like he did start off, I think, in the origin story, there's like a sad story of like he could only find work as a manager at a Denny's, but at the Denny's was like an hour and a half away. So he would, he would drive an hour and a half each day to go to work at Denny's. Wow. And, uh, then at, you know, he started doing these blogs and I think at one point, like he started making enough money to just do YouTube full time. So now, now he's pretty much, pretty much stuck. Like he has to go to Disney world every day <laughs> or, uh, he just won't be able to pay his rent anymore. In Disney's a weird thing because these people are really rabid about it and they get really like, gatekeepery and exclusive about all these different things but it's disney it's it's a surface level company everything they offer is the biggest stuff in the world so to be like deep web about getting like a pin yeah. or getting like a like a like a, an exclusive drink at disney world and the fact that you can be an influencer it's really dark to me that's like a dark world yeah i think that, i mean i th i think i don't think it's just him i think it's anybody who does this there's a he might even mention it in one of his videos or like offhandedly mention it that the appeal to doing this is that like Disney World is a fun place and it's the same every day. So it's like you have to have that kind of autism in your head or whatever it is that to make you like that trauma that <laughs> makes you like, you know, you need you need that or you won't you won't be able to function. And yeah, I, it's you know, it's like the people who have like eating handicaps where they have to eat pizza every day or they'll, they'll think about getting beat or something like that or macaroni yeah. and cheese or whatever. It's like I think it's the same thing. But with Disney, which is. It's strange because I think most adults <laughs> don't even want to go to Disney. So right. it's uh, it's crazy to just be like, yeah, I need this or like my fucking brain is going to explode. That podcast also pointed out that Disney bought ESPN. So all rabid sports fans are now technically Disney adults as well. Yes. Yeah. So get into that. <laughs> uh, I just had two other quick things. One is that uh, uh, Starkweather's web presence got weird this year and I didn't notice. I don't know if you noticed this. I didn't. Um, I, I followed them on Facebook just like, I don't know, just cut because I just saw them and like, oh yeah, I'll follow that. Why not? And recently I noticed that the account has been like doing drops, like Q drops almost <laughs> about, uh, about just like dropping these weird posts about metal and hardcore. And they almost look spammy, like he'd been hacked, but it's like really detailed posts about metal and hardcore albums that are out now. Mm. And, uh, I was like, you know, what is this? And so I clicked through the link and it's, it's just, it's just a Starkweather guy. It's what he does. Rennie from Starkweather. He just, there's no sassy punchline. It's fine. It's actually okay, but it's uh really bizarre that I, it's just unannounced and unexplained. Rennie from Starkweather is doing a really long detailed sub stack about current metal bands. And most of the posts don't mention who he is or that he's in Starkweather <laughs> or anything. It's, it's good. It's like, he's, uh, he's up to date. Like it's, it's good stuff. He's not like saying like, Oh, you need to listen to Manola road. <laughs> or, uh, you know, he's not doing that shit. He's posting about kind of current shit, all with like Bandcamp streamer links in the, in the post and everything like that. It's, it's just odd because he he doesn't say anything. He just so the Starkweather account pops up on my feed and it's like, hey, did you check out this band and this band and this band? <laughs> the fuck. Uh, one big demerit is that one of his recent posts said, uh, you know, if you like the Romantics are working for the weekend and bro Rennie. You're my age. That's not the romantics. That's not the fucking romantics, dude. And yet, as you mentioned, the other thing is that uh, some, some of our buddies gave us a hard time on Instagram last week about how error prone we are. 
And I just want to take a second to explain to people who aren't internet marketing brain geniuses like me and Mike. That's called <laughs> engagement, baby. You fuck up a post and people come after you and that's engagement. Yeah. You got yeah. eyeballs, you got ears. The richest man on the planet spent $44 billion to become the world's worst shit poster. Yeah. <laughs> and he drinks up that engagement like milk and honey. And I got yeah. news for you. The second and third richest men on the planet. We want that too. Yes. So uh, every now and then we're going to say that Harley Flanagan played on Appetite for Destruction or that Lady Gaga was in Born Against. And that's just that's just that. <laughs> that's how it works. You find us in the streets if you don't like it because we're going to eat up those clicks like Pac-Man for as long as, <laughs> as long as it happens. Yeah. I mean, I say it. I've been saying it for 10 years or however long it's going. But every time I say it, somebody doesn't understand that. Uh, Starbucks fucks up your name on purpose. They've yeah. they've always done this on purpose. It's, it's never never been <laughs> by accident. They do it yeah. so you post a fucking picture of the goddamn Starbucks yeah. on your social media. Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> Give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're the Starbucks. We're the Starbucks of hardcore podcasts. That's gonna. <laughs> Be our new, new slogan. We'll, uh, yeah, we're gonna give you the shits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have much. I'm, but I'm surprised you're consolable enough to do this episode because uh, the guy from the specials died a little oh, while ago. Shit. Yeah. Which one? Uh, the main guy, the singer. This is live breaking news. Uh, Terry Hall. Damn. Yeah. He yeah. has a, he has his real dark past. I'm not gonna get into, but uh, yeah, I was. Uh, it's like it was in the BBC or whatever, right up, and it's just like the first thing is his horrible, horrible childhood, and it's like this is not a great way to start off <laughs> a thing about a dude dying, but whatever. I'm not yeah, British. I, mean, I don't understand about, like, it. Forty years of music that you could have talked about. <laughs> <for the> opening <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Um. Outside of that, I should mention, even though it's very serious, but Ian from uh, Fist Held High Records also passed from cancer this yeah. week i guess it was kind of a surprise and uh we reviewed that with Stan record a few few episodes ago and he was friends with a lot of people listening to this, this show i don't know if i i doubt he listened to this but i don't know uh but i think, you know, I think he'd be been clicking i think he'd been clicking like on some of the posts so i think he knew about us at least yeah i don't yes yeah, so i don't know if he listened but rest in peace ian i think a, a lot of people were bummed out about this and yeah. uh you know a small connection to the show um outside of that of course i all i have is to promote things so uh first seven inch club at, <laughs> at gmail uh first seven inch club on youtube first seven inch club on instagram start following that instagram we're on the road to a thousand now we're almost to mm. a, a thousand follows and that is when you make the big money that is when the flat tummy tea and uh the the manscape <laughs> that's when they hit you up and they say hey you want to take a picture of you shaving your balls and put it on yeah. your instagram We'll give you a thousand dollars. We already uh, get those. We get those emails now, but he asks me for numbers, and I yeah. can't give him our numbers. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be laughed at in the email. That's the worst feeling. <laughs> so we we got, we got to get it. We got to get. We got to get a thousand. So first Seven Inch Club on Instagram, uh, all letters. There's a lot of fun stuff on there. Posting people's houses, posting old flyers that I own, yep, yep. posting uh, old stuff from zines from uh, the the month. You know, every month, every beginning of the month. I'll post something from Maximum Rock and Roll from 25 years ago. I'm going to start 30 years ago in 2023. So I feel I feel comfortable because uh, 30 years ago from last year would have been, uh, or from 2022 would have been before I was really into the core. And I would yeah. felt like a poser p- posting stuff, but, but uh, we're going to hit my, <laughs> my fucking 30 year anniversary of going to show soon which is a uh, oof. It's just going to be it's going to be articles about the Dead Boys and Blondie and the Ramones yeah. at CBGB. I actually <laughs> I actually looked, I tested it, and there's more things in the, what is 30 years ago would be 93. There's more things in the 93 episode because I think they were a little more open to mm-hmm. uh, posting like actual hardcore and not being like real stuck up about only posting yeah. shit punk and stuff like that or writing about it. I should say not posting. They're, they weren't the internet. But but yeah, so it's it's actually a lot more uh, interesting than I thought it would be. Um, 
Outside of that, State of Mind Recordings. Uh, they're, they're our friends, a little sp- sort of sponsor in a way. Um, I don't know what you call it. It's a, it's a partnership. But stateofmindrecordings.com. It's a distro. They're still having a crazy sale. And uh, I think he posted that it's going to be until the end of the year. So you got a couple weeks. This is your last episode of uh, First Seven Inch Club until Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just, just take advantage. You get that Christmas money. Hit this dude up. Buy some records. This is the first episode of this little partnership where we actually have relevant records to talk about in his distro. We are doing another Commitment Records record this this uh, episode. He doesn't have this exact record that we're talking about, which is a band called Product X. Uh, their home team EP is what we're talking about, but he does have the second set, Product X 7-inch, Who Makes the Heroes, and uh, along with many other <laughs> many other Commitment Records 7-inches, they're all between about three and five bucks. These are brand fucking new. You're not finding these brand new anymore. You you could you could go to Discogs if you want and get one with uh, shitty peanut butter stains on and like root beer spilled all over <laughs> it from the straight edgers partying with these seven inches. But uh, you're not gonna get one brand squeaky clean for three bucks anymore. So uh, yeah, yeah. if you're a burgeoning straight edger, if you just got drafted into the straight edge army, this is your chance to build up your collection for real cheap with a uh, very earnest. <laughs> Um, straight edge <laughs> lyricism by a lot of euros. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna highlight anything because you know, we're talking about product X, that's one. There's a band on here called Uprights from France. Uh, their seven inch is called Old School Revenge. I'm sure that's wow. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a band called On, on a Solid Rock. And uh, their seven inch called, is called Where Kids Don't Play, which sounds uh, very foreboding. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they it's all it's all straight edge shit. We'll get into it when we talk about commitment records more. But I, I I think that was like you have to fill out an application to get on commitment records, and all your members have to be straight edge. So so yeah, state <laughs> of mind recordings. You really got to take advantage of the sale if you haven't it's until the end of the year. This stuff is bottom basement barrel prices. I I just stammered for a second. I couldn't think of what to say there. But yeah, it's just <laughs> cheap as hell. You're not getting new records for this cheap anymore. Take advantage. State of mind recordings Yeah. Um, very quick, <laughs> very quick. Yeah. Still, still, still gone off that Druthers. This uh, Druthers Brewery in Albany. I uh, got Gazer the Gazerian Double New England IPA this week. That's uh, what I'm sipping on, or what I'll be sipping on once I open it up later. But Gazer, but, the, what what does that name mean? What's I that? think I don't know. Let's see. Well, I assume it's a, a Ghostbusters reference. Yeah. Um, utilizes. Oh, it's it's a. It's the it's the strain of yeast. Oh, the okay. gazer, the hello gazer strain of yeast. So gotcha. Instead of gozer, the gozerian, it's gazer. So there we go. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's about all I, all I had to talk about. Like I said, I didn't really have much this week. Of uh, you know, it's Chris, it's the Christmas crunch, guys. You gotta. Oh shit! Always... Gazer, the gazerian is eight point two. So Mike's gonna be wavy as hell halfway yeah. through this episode. John sent me all these high alcohol beers, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll have a couple beers. I was watching the uh, the World Cup final yesterday at 9 a.m. because it's in somewhere <laughs> stupid where you have to watch it at 9 a.m. And I was like, "Guys, start drinking at eight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got all these eight and nine percent beers. Fuck. So I was, I was pretty fucking faded by by 11 or 12 yesterday. So uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty fun, wow. pretty fun day. But, <laughs> but and then, good thing we're talking about this product X. But yeah, I don't really have a lot to talk about. So we get right into this record. Right into uh, it. it it is a band called Product X and their EP, their seven inch called Home Team. Home Team is all one word, which is incorrect. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a, a one word <laughs> word. Yeah. Um, but Product X was a straight edge hardcore band from 
Tilburg, Netherlands, um, active from 1995 until 2001. They uh, they only managed to put out a demo in two seven inches within that that six year window. So uh, not very productive. They're kind of like a modern band in that way, where they, uh, <laughs> they didn't have they didn't have enough time. They're being st- too straight edge to uh, produce music too often. Yeah. I kind of wanted to do this because it's been a uh, it's been over a year since we did the X Men episode, and that was mm-hmm. a big early hit because. You know, I think people like when you talk about this shit, but I said on that episode, I don't want to do this all the time because I think it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel talking about this Euro 90 straight edge stuff because it's all, like I said, it's all very earnest. It's yeah. it's easy to poke fun at, uh, but it's been over a year and uh, this band is from the Netherlands and the Netherlands just uh, whooped up on the U.S. in uh, the World Cup and knocked them out <laughs> of the playoffs and they didn't, they didn't win. Argentina won the World Cup if you're listening to this uh, way later in time or something, yeah. but Argentina won by the Netherlands. Uh, beat the shit out of the U.S. So I was like, "Hey, let's the Netherlands band. Let's do Product X." So mm-hmm. here we back. are. Let's get them back. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk about Product X. Um, so, oh, and I, I think I mentioned this is on Commitment Records. If I didn't say that enough, but but uh, this it was actually too easy to research these guys this week. This yeah. was uh, their all their shit is just on the internet. It's super yeah. easy. It wasn't even fun. Um, so I'm hoping. Scott even dug deeper and found uh, some real juicy juice because everything I found is just like you just Google these guys' names and it just pops up right up. But uh, and I don't know how to say any of these names. Uh, Matthias, maybe Mathis, uh, Ver, Matisse, Matthias, Ver, Verberkmos played bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was in a band called One in a Million that went nowhere. Um, he now is one of those dudes that's always on Instagram posting from safaris and stuff like. Just always hanging out with tigers and uh, beautiful people and beautiful women just doing stuff in nature. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably very rich. I don't know how that shit works. just makes <laughs> me feel awful about my life uh, and I want to kill myself over it. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, some people are just lo- blessed like that. I don't know how, how we got to uh, product X point A to uh, going on safaris every week point b but you know somehow he did it maybe <laughs> he's got to have answers uh the only other interesting tidbit i have about him is he is no longer straight edge so mm-hmm. if you are holding grudges in the netherlands scene uh this you know you can <laughs> you can assassinate Matthias, the basis for product x you can make is, your next seven inch about how yeah <laughs> he is sold out uh next up is reese doma he plays the drums he was also in another commitment records band called reaching forward mm-hmm. uh, and he's in a band called the kick who is still active and uh, I cannot tell. The kick is very Dutch. They, I think all their words or lyrics are in Dutch. Uh, they seem to be something that's uh, you know Dutch specific. I don't think anybody in America is buying the kick records. No. So I can't tell exactly how popular they are. I think they're fairly popular. They're yeah. fairly popular. Not popular enough where any of these guys have uh, millions of followers on their Instagram. But it's mm-hmm. the Netherlands. It's a yeah. it's, you know it's a different ball game there. So I don't know how it works. But they kind of play like I don't even know how to describe it. I think they were one of those bands that evolved over the years too. But the stuff I listened yeah. to kind of sounded like Brit pop, I guess, like the Oasis or Blur or something like that. Yeah, that's uh, so more that that kind of deal. Uh, he's also the head of digital manuf- manufacturing for some engineering thing now. Mm-hmm. Very easy to find on the internet. Still straight edge. He's uh, yep. confirmed straight edge. So yeah. uh, he he did not betray the crew. Reese is still hanging hard. Uh, <laughs> next up proudly. is proudly, <laughs> proudly yes. Yeah. Next up is Marcel Groenwigen. Uh, he played guitar. He also plays bass in the Kick. Now he's also in that other project, One in a Million. He's an author and copywriter. He's wrote many books. Um, Stratus status is inconclusive. I found many pictures of him. 
at a table where there was bottles, but there's none. Oh boy, yeah, there's none like like right in front of them. There's like glasses that you, the shapes of glasses that usually hold alcohol, but they're all empty, so it's hard to tell. So he's either being very discreet, but either way, he's hanging out with a lot of people who drink. So that's uh, I think that's fair fair game yeah. for a beat down still, even if he is straight edge. So if you see Marcel mm-hmm. on the streets, you have a talk with him because he might be selling out the X. Um, last off, the coolest, the guy with the coolest name in the band, Merlin Janssen. He's yeah. the vocalist. He did jack shit after Product X. He hung it up. Uh, but he has probably the most interesting uh, current life. He's a swordsman now. He's a straight up swordsman. Uh, he's, I think, you know, I don't know how that shit works, but there's like a, a governing body of swordsman meaning. And uh, I, I don't know because, again, I don't know how that world works, but I feel like if you uh, if you run in certain sword circles and you say Merlin Jansen, don't know who you're talking yeah. about. I think yeah. I think he's kind of a big wheel in the the swordsmanship thing. He also seems to be really into war history, which is a major red red flag in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if the Dutch have that stigma too. I don't know if you could nonchalantly and casually be into war history mm-hmm. in the Netherlands and not have the the nazi sirens go off or i don't know (laughs) so i don't know i'm not saying any one way or another it might be just a casual hobby like i said um i don't know uh he is his straightishness is also inconclusive i found nothing but he's in the war history and he's a swordsman he probably drinks mead or something so (laughs) but there's there's no proof of this he might be be still uh leading the straightish lifestyle but but that's about it i also just think it would be interesting to have kind of like a documentary about this sort of this the scene this 90s commitment records euro straight edge scene because it all is just like i'm glad at least two of these guys or one of these guys is definitely straight edge because it's yeah. like it seems like this was just kind of like the most kind of cosplay type of uh genre of hardcore at the time where it was just like these kids are going to be in this band for three years and be super straight edge and mm-hmm. like not even like register it because like a lot of these mm-hmm. dudes i i think you know the two guys who are in the kick still have like music stuff on their their profiles and stuff the other two guys you wouldn't even never know they were in a band they're done they're done they're- yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't like i would just really like to know like then and now with these guys and nothing that is is in home produced i need like real assholes to go over there and make the documentary because <laughs> uh could I, be us I, yeah it could be <laughs> us because you know if commitment records made it it's going to be all all happiness and sundays with cherries on top i don't want that i want to know the cold hard truth about the dutch and you know the german and all these straight edge scenes and how long if if uh these kids like stay true to the x forever or if it's just like a passing trend because it you know they're the guys screaming the loudest about all those stupid shit (laughs) but uh i just always figured it was kind of a trend and it's it's good because there's like 50 50 with this band it's so it's it's hard it's still inconclusive whether or not they uh they actually take that x to the grave with them but scott did you find anything else interesting about these guys you got most of you got most of it. So I mean, I'm just yeah. gonna I'll do some a little bit of like world building around some <laughs> of the points because I have a little bit extra. Uh, yeah, so they're from Tilburg. Uh, that city is known for thousands of metal fests, including <laughs> ro- including Roadburn. Like all these big festivals happen in Tilburg. It's like the festival city, and all these rock fests happen there for some reason. And there's a jazz fest there. There's you know there's all kinds of stuff there. So you know metal. Maybe really fucking boring to these people. Normie shit. So maybe like making unmetal music like what these guys did. He's like, super punk to do. And uh, yeah, so the kick started out as what I would consider to be an embarrassing Beatles pastiche band. Okay. Like the dudes even do that little bop and head wiggle. Like if you watch the Ed Sullivan Beatles thing and they do that. Woo! 
oh, you know, all that shit. Mm -hmm. They do that. Like, you should be embarrassed to be doing someone else's <laughs> stage moves and playing instruments that kind of look like their instruments. And, and they all wear matching suits, you know, like mod 60s suits together and stuff. And uh, they kind of they kind of branched out and do their own thing. But it's still really British. It's like more 60s British invasion than anything else. Yeah. And they've been doing it for like 10 years now, which is that's a hoot. Like they would just keep doing this for this long. But I mean, like you said, they might be doing well with it. They were the house band on a TV show for a while called. I'm going to give this a shot. Die World Diet Dur, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, I watched a bunch of that before admitting I don't speak any Dutch at all. And I couldn't <laughs> hang with it. So I had to tap out. But um, yeah, Marcel, he's got a book coming out that looks like some Lord of the Rings for kids. It's got some cool drawings in it. Like, I don't know if I don't think he does the drawings. I can't tell because it's in Dutch, but I think someone <laughs> else does the drawings. They look pretty cool. I'll bet I'll bet we could talk to Reese. Yeah. Reese seems like a guy because he's doing a zine too. Like he's huh. still working on his. He's like forty year old man or whatever <laughs> who's about to drop a zine because his label folded. He had a, I think he had a label called Quadrafoon. I think it was a label, and that folded. And now he's doing a zine called Clue Hammer, and he claims Edge and stuff. So I bet we could just drop him a line and say, "What is up with you guys and commitment? Like, what was that <laughs> world all about? Give me the story." Um. Yeah, um, Matthias Verbrukmos, uh, very athletic dude. He's always like running ultra marathons and all that kind of shit, and uh, like really inconvenient athletics that uh, nobody would really want to do, and like really, really stoked about it. No, you're not really stoked to be running a hundred miles. That sucks. So it's all in the editing there. But he's and he works for like all these guys have real jobs basically. I think, and uh, yeah. I think I think that's a Dutch thing. It's like when you graduate from straight, you go to straight edge, and then you graduate. <laughs> And you get yeah. a you get a real job, and he works for companies that look AI generated. They look phony. <laughs> One's called CS CX Focus. I challenge you to go to that website and 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 bend <laughs> bend your mind with how vague it is about your brand's journey and shit like that. It's just like <laughs> it is very phony looking. And then he works for another company that makes the software for booking safaris, like literal oh. safaris to check out wildebeests. Like he just makes that's, the software that's, that that's that's the hookup then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that seems cool to me as long as he's not like sending, you know, like Trump kids off to shoot cheetahs or something. If he's just sending you out to look at at uh, cheetahs, that's cool as long as you're not out there shooting them. But uh, Merlin Jansen, the, you got everything that there is to know about Merlin, or sorry, Merlin Jansen. But uh, the funny thing was that while I was doing my research, I, I, I learned just prior that, the, you know, there used to be a show called Forged in Flames mm -hmm. where like lonely men in Utila kilts <laughs> will make one, try and make one knife. That won't break. People have been making knives for 4,000 years, but I guess it's hard to make one knife that won't break. So there's a whole show about like making a knife and having it not break. And there's a sequel to it where now these people have to take that knife and slash through an obstacle course. And not everybody who makes knives is in good shape, Mike. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and also on top of that, on this sequel, they don't actually have to make the knife. So they could just stop off at a flea market and buy like a lightsaber. <laughs> or like the Highlander Highlander <laughs> blade and just show up. And uh, the show is incredible. And almost everybody who shows up to this thing gets defeated trying to slice a fish. That is the, <laughs> the literally they show up, you know, dressed as cowboys and samurai and Highlanders. And when they're done, they have to walk off stage because their huge stupid knife couldn't cut a fish <laughs> after, after they chopped through all this other stuff. So while I was watching that, I had this dissociative moment because I opened up Merlin Janssen's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm reading about swords and I'm like, what, what's happening right now? My, <laughs> I'm checking my pulse. What is going on? And he's not, it's not just a sword thing. Like this guy's 
the master of the broadsword. He studied the blade, Mike. He's the master yeah. of the broadsword. He's a rapier guy. He, you know, he and, he and he does all that sort of society for creative anachronism, anachronism kind of stuff where they have, you know, war games and, and armor. And <laughs> but yet there, this is confirmed to be him because he, he does post about being in a band once. At least he posts yeah. a picture of himself doing a high jump and being very straight edge on stage. I, yeah, uh, I couldn't even I couldn't even find that. I just looked and it's he's friends with the, these guys. And I was like, this is too much of a coincidence. And it has to yeah. be the same guy. Other, his whole profile is just about swords and antique situations of swords, and his name is Merlin, which rules. Yeah. I, I think you have to do fantasy things if your family names you Merlin. Like, there's no, you have no choice. You have to go out and be a, a sword lord. The, the only thing I'll, uh, I want to add to that, and this is sort of niche. Um, once upon a time, I'm like probably like 19 years ago or something like that, uh, this company is still around, but they used to give you a free DVD through the mail. They were called Cold Steel. And you used to be able to get free DVDs from Cold Steel where very, very portly men would take various swords and hack meat to pieces. And, uh, you know, it's like, this is commonplace now. Like these, those, you know what I'm talking about now. Nothing like this existed back then. You could get the DVD for free and it was amazing. Mm. And when I ordered it, they sent a bonus called something like practical use of the saber. Practical <laughs> use of the saber. <laughs> And the guy who was a doctor of something, I can't remember his name, but he was a doctor. He was like a scientist of swords was just showing you like what you need to know. If you decide to walk those city streets with, <laughs> with a saber <laughs> hanging off the side and how you're going to get out of some sticky situations with that. So if you can ever track that down, I <laughs> encourage you to look up practical use of the saber. It's got to be on. It's got to be on YouTube. It has to be all, all that cold steel. Well, cold steel still sells on like AliExpress and stuff. So I'm sure that all their <laughs> stuff is still out there. But boy, it was primo back in. 99 or whatever i got that dvd originally uh i'm not gonna spend too much on commitment records and uh, we did that whole episode in the x-men i will say that was one where it's still a little shaky a little jagged so it probably didn't yeah. do the best job highlighting commitment records but they were basically the uh the premier record label for young straight edge bands in uh the their europe area i think they put out a few american bands too but um they were based in, in the netherlands so they put out a lot of dutch bands uh, started in 1996, released Seven Inches by Vitamin X, which is, I think, one of the very few kind of crossover bands from that time area, time yeah. period that actually people in America liked. Uh, pointing Finger, Reaching Forward, Hoods Up, not the mm -hmm. Hoods Up from Albany, a different one. Uh, fight for Change, One X More, Fair Fight, Product X, Guiding Line, Oil, whom we talked about, our friend Matto mm -hmm. put out one of their records. Uh, yeah. Infect, Guiding Line, said guiding line twice i think uh <laughs> the miracle the silver shine the age second combat one season's change cura heat critical point kid armor better times no thanks urgency and more uh they have a very long history on discogs i'm not going to go into but it basically says which i missed the first time is that uh they were committed to not only putting out straight edge bands uh but also only doing seven inches because at the time they were the cheapest format to make or buy records mm. and, uh that is probably why uh, commit records stop putting out seven inches <laughs> in the 2010s because they are no longer cheap to put out. But I am glad that if you uh, if you wanted to pursue a, a complete commitment record seven inch collection, and I don't know if I don't know if he cheated or if he actually bought them all, but I know Gray from Demolition was saying that he wanted to buy all the 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 the, the commitment records uh, seven inches. But I don't. I I also discovered on on this episode, which I somehow missed on the X Men episode. Is that they have a whole fucking band camp with the entire discography on there, so you yeah. don't actually need to buy the whole collection anymore. <laughs> you could just listen to every single uh, record. But if you did want to own them, 
They are all conveniently a seven inch. You don't have to fuck around with any CDs or tapes or anything. You can have you can just buy a box and just fill it with commitment records and be done with it. And I, th- <laughs> I think that's very cool. I wish there could still be labels like that that existed, but unfortunately, shit sucks now and you can't. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, the commitment records dedicated to the edge, dedicated to all these uh, very happy, positive youth crew bands and hardcore bands and you know a few other kinds of weird bands, but mostly. Uh, the the youth crew strain. Ninety uh, percent of uh, the Dutch work for Shell Oil, so maybe they, it was easy to get like a bucket of petroleum and bring it home and make <laughs> it into a record back in the day, or something like that. Uh, but this uh, this episode and all my other research just confirms what I said originally, which is that <laughs> this label is about you know the Dutch are all busy riding their bicycles around and using wind energy to keep the ocean at bay, and then you know they work at Shell Oil and they're destroying the world. <laughs> and uh, I think that there's a mandatory force that makes four or five of them at a time congeal into a straight edge band and uh, <laughs> commitment records is there to document that. What I didn't know before we did that, that episode was that so many people out there knew all about this yeah. and they're, they're instantly ready to chime in with their takes on European straight edge and commitment records. There's just, there's no stone left unturned out there. You motherfuckers have opinions <laughs> on every goddamn thing. And I can't believe so many people are like, Oh yeah. Commitment records. I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. let's go. Let's go. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows everything these days. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we can get this record out onto a tray. Nice. What's that? That gazer there. That gazer, the gazerian. <laughs> um. So this uh this record has the same, I guess, layout you would say as the uh, the X Men record, where it's a triple panel fold yeah. out. It doesn't out that after that the the layout ends, but they definitely had a a system there where you're going to, you're going to get the triple panel fold out. And I think that was the only option mm-hmm. if you were a, a commitment records band. Uh, the cover is uh blue and uh, it's, it says product X in like a faux varsity. This isn't a full varsity font. This is kind of like a, I don't know. This is kind of like when you don't want to use a varsity font, but you still want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you still want those corners in there and those, those angles, <laughs> but you know, a full varsity, um, it says home team and the, uh, the standard, uh, graffiti font that comes with I don't know it's like the first when you google graffiti font I'm pretty sure it's just called Brooklyn if you yeah. google Brooklyn font it's, it's this one um, that's what home team is in and they have this crude drawing this is 1998 uh, it's a crude drawing of like a straight edges men um, and he has those <laughs> he has those the, he has the it's the it, it's the style when people wanted to draw anime but they didn't know how, how to do it yeah and uh I think 98's a little too late for that. I think uh <laughs> I think 97 and under you can get away with it. 98 it's, it's it's I don't know it's it's the Netherlands though, but either way it's not the best type of uh art illustration for me at least. Um he's also his his exed up and he's wearing a backpack but it uh, like the backpack there's like a, a skateboard hanging out of the bottom of the backpack but it's mm-hmm. like so it just looks like he has like a uh, like a skateboard holder on his back, I guess. Like it doesn't even look like a back. It, it's it, the picture. If you can't see this, if you're not on our Instagram first average club, but you're looking at the scans there, but you know, it's a front facing, like he's, he's facing the, the he's facing me right now and he's pointing, he's going, yeah, he's yeah. pointing. So you just see the straps and then you see the skateboard and it's like, fuck, Go I on. guess. <laughs> um, he's wearing uh jeans and he's the, the thing that annoys me the most about this outside of just the style of this kind of drawing is that, um, he's wearing shoe sneakers, but like these, it's not any kind of like usually in these types of covers. Like this is just borrowing from Unit Pride and I don't side by side like a million other bands who've done these types of covers. Uh, yeah. They're usually wearing Nikes. 
And, uh, yeah. you know, if not, maybe Adidas. But either way, they're wearing a recognizable type of shoe. This guy mm-hmm. is not wearing a recognizable type of shoe. The closest he <laughs> would come to is like, this almost looks like an earwalk or something. But it's it's not. Yeah. This just looks like some Bobo shoes. Oh, you don't and, think those uh, are Puma Clydes? Just really no. clunky, giant Puma yeah. Clydes? Yeah, I don't think. If, if they didn't know how to draw the little swoop on the Pumas, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Either way, it just looks like this kid is poor. And he can't afford <laughs> can't afford real sneakers, so he spent all his money on on uh, staying straight edge, yeah. and uh, he and buying that back that skateboard backpack. That's a ton of money to be straight edge. Yeah, he couldn't afford Jordans or even like Dunks or something. He's just wearing uh, these Bobo sneakers, so that that annoys me. I w- I honestly wish they just put any fucking thing in this little corner of the cover. <laughs> just put a fucking live photo. This this cover is just. Ugh, it's gross. Uh, and the, the back is just, you know, it's standard. It's, the again, the Brooklyn font with a, a, a fucking stretched out picture that's stretched out too much of the, the band playing. Um, and like I said, you open it up, it's a triple fold with all the lyrics. It's pretty neat for neat and nifty and clean from there. There's like a kind of like a stripe motif going on, like almost like a pack of Newports on a, <laughs> one of the panels. And that is a, that is a little motif they would carry on to their next record too they're really yeah. into those stripes so i like that i like some some you know uniformness uh between releases like that um and yeah and it's just like a, a like a straight line picture collage of the band playing with uh, all the lyrics it's pretty neat it's a pretty neat and nifty package easy to read easy to look at i just uh and there's a there's another panel with uh, all the thank yous on it which is a lot of uh a lot of star wars references there's a lot of star wars references peppered throughout but um like i think yeah, the first person they fake is named Luke Skywalker. And I don't know if that's a real Luke Skywalker or just the guy from the movie, but um, that's the first person they think. So I don't know. Um, it's for a straight edge record. It's it's a fine package to me. I just really wish they either got a different artist or just went with like a live photo instead of that kind of janky illustration on the front. I was looking. There's one panel in, the, in your scan where it looks like the front cover is showing through the paper really clearly. I was like, man, is this shit printed on like onion skin or Kleenex <laughs> or something? Like, is this really cheap paper or is it just a it's, weird? It's just that kind of like glossy, like regular cardstock. It's just because you put one dark side, one dark blue, and then yeah. you put the white. It's gonna, it's gonna bleed through. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this drawing on the cover is bad, but there's also there's something to it that I kind of like. <laughs> it's like the way he's drawn. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the way graffiti, like bad straight edge graffiti drawings are usually done. And like the kid has like a appealing proportions or something like there's something about like the comic book style. Like, you you know, how like if you look at different comic books, there's like the Todd McFarlane style and there's like the Frank Miller style and Frank Miller is still kind of appealing. Like the way he draws Wolverine or something looks kind of cool because he's thick. And this kid kind of reminds me of that. Like this kid looks like a a body it looks like there's a bot like it doesn't look like a i don't know it looks like maybe this person knows anatomy or something and it's <laughs> it's kind of cool uh i don't know uh but yeah he's attempting to draw anime eyes which is that's on the 90s straight edge bingo card and that's a bad thing uh but yeah there's like some kind of believable mass or proportions to this 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 kid um that's the end of what i dig on this uh layout i hate the graffiti font in the back i hate that there's varying weights of the graffiti font like if you were drawing graffiti and you add all those different weights and like different sizes of text like that you would just get kicked out of graffiti graffiti club they wouldn't let you they wouldn't let you back i disrespect that i disrespect all the photos that have been 90s stretched although they take that to the absolute limit on uh the next seven inch 
where yeah. they changed their name to PX, I guess. Like, they, I guess they changed the band name to PX. But if you look at the cover, it's three stripes. Those are the most stretched photos I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> they, they, they took it. They, they've broken the rubber band. It's just, uh, it's, it's too far. Um, I think all the typography on the inside was done by a serial killer. The text blocks are just <laughs> any old place they want them to be. They just, just put that shit anywhere, homie. Anywhere you want to put that text, I guess it's fine. I, I like that one of the guitarists is playing an old school Ibanez Roadstar. You can see the headstock and it's got the pinstripe on it. I like that. Uh, it goes a long way toward explaining some of the guitar tones and guitar <laughs> decisions on this record. But uh, worst of all, unforgivably, someone has accepted some default settings on the illustrator stroke around the font. <laughs> you, they stroked the font and you you kept you kept it centered over the over the line uh discog says the designer is the book king that's his name is the book king the only book he's king of is the book of sucking balls by d's nuts because you are the worst uh, if i fucking find you in the streets um a little bit of good news and I, I might have to edit this part because i don't know where to begin and end with my with my reading but this uh they list an absolute disaster of url and the contact info it's like even in 98 or 99 whenever they made this you you could get a url you didn't have to put the little tilde tilde username slash myband.html you didn't have to do that um but the bio if you go to the wayback machine it's still there and mm -hmm. uh, you can find it. So they and they there wasn't much there because the images were all gone and stuff. But the bio was still there. And so I'll just like I'll give you a snippet of the first bio, not the full thing because it's kind of long and it's bro in broken English. Uh, the demo was received well by fans, but also the critics and the magazines were good. After the demo, Product X kept going on. They played with bands such as Travolta's Unde Undeclinable Ambuscade, NRA, and I Against I. But after the first demo, the band felt they had grown. New songs were written and they found their own they found their own style. Hmm. The influence of bands they listened to became more clear, the expression of battery, the positive punk of H2O, the real old school of sick of it all and the aggression of 10 yard fight melted into their style. Hmm. That's their own style I guess is aping four hmm. bands. Uh and then <laughs> and then uh, another snippet, another uh, snapshot in 1999 which was a year later says Product X started at the end of 1995 in Tilburg. Uh, as a as a project to play some songs on a cultural event at school. <laughs> All members of Product X were from the same school. In the beginning, Product X, they got their name from a Dutch commercial for washing powder, had two vocalists. After playing some shows in 1996, Product X recorded for recorded a demo in the beginning of 19, 1997. That was released in February 1997. On the demo, Product X sounded like a rap metal band mixed mm. with punk. After kicking out one of the vocalists, the sound of the band developed more and in the direction of old school hardcore. The tough vocals gave it a New York hardcore feel. And in December of 1997, they recorded a second demo that was released with the aim of finding a label to put it out. Yeah, so basically, like the, the point of that is that they started out as a rap metal band, <laughs> which is so interesting. And then they decided to kick the guy out and, uh, you know, start sounding like Battery and Sick of It All, um, which I think is that's the whole story that we're about <laughs> to tell right now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we can get into the, this music now. This is a uh, six full tracks. We're dealing with some full sound here by these guys. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So uh, first track on side. I'm sorry, it's not even side A. It's side Rebel. <laughs> this is a uh, side Rebel we're dealing yeah. with. You're gonna notice a theme here, but this is a uh, yeah. side Rebel. First song on side Rebel is called "Will I Still." I'm 
immediately begins with a Star Wars sample. Yeah. It's uh, the, the sample from when Yoda is dying. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Star Wars, that uh, Yoda dies eventually. <laughs> and it, uh, not the baby Yoda. The baby Yoda is still alive. But, uh, He's going to live forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real Yoda, he, he dies. And, uh, they they recorded it. They immortalized that that part forever. Which means uh, when I go to put this on uh, YouTube, I'm going to get hit with that copyright strike yeah, just yeah. immediately. Um, that Suicide Silence, just to, not to go off on a tangent, Suicide Silence, when I put that in, it bled into like other seven inches I have uploaded, and now like it's like it like created a virus that has copyright struck other <laughs> seven inches, and it says like when I click on why is it's there's a copyright strike, it'll say "Wake Up" by Suicide Silence, and it's on like just other seven inches. Just uh, so yeah, that's that's fucked up. I might <laughs> I might have to protest it and the lobe, take YouTube the, the, down. The lobe virus of uh, of uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a clown remix virus. That's what they call it. <laughs> um, this, this record as a whole sounds like it's a couple rotations per minute fast, like a couple RPMs a little too fast. It's a 33 RPM record. It sounds about like a 36. I, but I listen to it. I listen to the YouTube upload. I listen to the Bandcamp. It's it's meant to be this speed, but it just sounds like it's a little sped up. Um, it is. I don't think it's any of those things that Scott just said, but, mm-hmm. but that's kind of like a bigger point to my thesis of this band is that uh this is a little like i think if i were just to take a shot in the dark i would say this is probably mostly influenced by youth of today and i think mm-hmm. all these bands are just always influenced by youth of today and that's it that's the only band they're ever all influenced by and i may be wrong about that and that's my point is that uh there's a lot of bands i i you know i listen to the bigger bands and i could tell like the influences of the bigger bands bigger bands as in everything that was on revelation like youth of today judge uh gorilla biscuits uh underdog all those bands you know i listen to those and i could be like okay that band sounds like underdog uh a lot of this a lot of this shit a lot of the faster hardcore old school hardcore uh they uh, you know once we got into the late 90s and 2000s they started pulling influences from things i never listened to and it'll be yeah. like oh we sound like the breakdown demo with the crackdown seven inch and stuff like that. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck that means. I never listen to that shit. I'm never gonna. And, uh, and I'm fine with that. I don't, I'll, I'll have that blind spot until the day I die. So there's a lot of shit where I'm just like, whatever. It just sounds like youth today. That's fine. I don't see like a comparison I need. Uh, but there's like a lot of newer stuff, like a lot of newer, angrier stuff that comes out. Like a lot of the youth, the stuff on youth attack, uh, mm-hmm. people will say, Oh, that's just, that's, they're just playing like youth today songs, but like all fucked up. Yeah. And uh, that was like a thing, which I don't know if it was true, because like I said, I can't tell, but that was like also always a description of the Monster X. It was like, oh, these guys are playing Youth Crew songs, but they're like a grindcore band. And that was like how <laughs> all the, that was like how all the reviews would describe them. Wow. And, uh, yeah. you know, they put out that Youth Crew 7-inch too. So I, I guess, you know, there's there's some smoke to that fire. I don't know. I'm sure, sure Nate will chime in. But, and, but my point is, I kind of get that vibe from this band. Like, I kind of feel like... If you were to if you were to just hit a certain pitch on a on a Monster X record, like if you kept fucking with the pitch, uh, if you if you turn the pitch a little like a specific degree, it would sound like this Product X record because this Product X is just like they're playing super fast, not really guided. Like I would say, like they're just like ah, like they're just fucking. Hit, like the drummer's just fucking hitting everything and the guitarist is just playing his riff and the singer just needs to occupy every single space. Yeah. that there is to occupy to be a singer like it is insane like i can see the rap the rap metal influence because that's what you do when you rap you just rap and rap and this just dude rap. is, yep. is uh, <laughs> this dude is just fucking rapping man he just won't shut the fuck up so 
I guess I could see that. I guess I could see how this is like a bastardized ver- version of some kind of youth crew. But I don't. I, this was a lot less straightforward than I expected. Was uh, my short answer to that long-winded thing I just said? But this was, <laughs> this was, yeah, this was a lot more like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Like, it sounds like they think they have those influences, but I don't think that's what what comes up on this record. I think what comes up on this record is just some some shit, some shit that just happened. Uh, but like I said, I'm I have a lot of blind spots, so yeah. I'm glad that from their eyes, they're 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 calling out all these big bands that I know they don't sound like. So yeah. so uh, there is no like secret sauce. There is no breakdown demo influence on this. This these guys just uh, named a bunch of bands and then didn't sound like <laughs> any of them. So so there's that. Um, this yeah, this is just pretty much fast. Like the the drummer just drumming the shit out of everything. The guitarist just uh, nonstop, and then it hits like a slow interlude where the guy, like, even the slow interlude, the guy's just talking over it, like he just can't yeah. shut the fuck up for even two seconds, and uh, then it just goes back to the kind of song. This song is fine. It's probably, I don't know, if it was the worst song on the record, but it's close. It's not. It's not the greatest opener. It's interesting. Like I said, it wasn't what I was expecting, so it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but it still wasn't a sound I enjoyed too much. Uh, yeah, so Star Wars is also on the 90s straight-edge bingo card, yep. and I'll uh, I'll defend it here for this era. <laughs> uh, and also, I think this is not when he dies. I think this is when he gets real baked while Luke is training, and he closes his <laughs> eyes. He's like, ah, yes. <laughs> the Force is awesome, dude. Because when he dies, he goes, there is a nah. then fades out (laughs) you can't put that in a record no one wants into that Uh, but yeah like Star Wars in the 90s was not like it is now it was gone like there was a like if you're our age you you might remember this but like younger people probably have can't imagine this but Star Wars was like nobody was talking about it for 10 years yeah Uh, there weren't and there wasn't any merch there wasn't shit at stores that you would buy that was Star Warsy like people would still use Star Wars ideas in daily conversation everyone still thought about like lightsabers and Darth Vader once in a while but the movies were gone you could they weren't ubiquitous like Blockbuster would have one Star Wars and one Empire Strikes Back and one Return of the Jedi team yeah that was it and like nobody was renting them they were just they would always be there and uh, the only merchandise you could buy was like books and video games, aka nerd shit. Those were uh, <laughs> those were still popping off, but it was pretty. I think it was pretty sensible for straight edge kids to latch on to Jedi stuff as a means of trying to make not doing drugs seem like a superpower <laughs> instead of just you know being lonely and sad. Uh, but uh, you know, every straight edge kid all over the planet all at once had that idea at once. We all, oh, you know what? We're kind of like Jedi. <laughs> and uh, that's so it's sensible and it's also super dumb and corny. Um, but I think this this sound that these guys arrive at is okay. Uh, the bio could have stopped at battery. I don't think they sound like battery, but it's like fast, urgent, hardcore. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like they got Siv to sing over it, but he lost his job. So he's super <laughs> mad. I kind of dig that. I, I dig this. I dig the the pieces of the sound that they got at. Uh, but, you know, by now, the first 7-Inch Club listeners are going to know what these lyrics are about. They're real dipshit, posy lyrics. Uh, <laughs> in this case, I don't feel touched by them at all. Uh, when no. we did the X-Men, I actually was actually kind of moved by some of the sentiments. Like, I was for real. I was like, you know, this is cool. It sounds real. It sounds like these guys have some, like, brotherliness ideas in their hearts, and they want to express them. But this one just sounds like a random posy lyrics generator. It's really <laughs> it's really yeah. early in the process. <laughs> and uh, I'm not moved by a, a bit of it at all. So. <laughs> yeah i didn't even bother i'll highlight some lyrics later on in this record but yeah these these mm-hmm. first few songs are kind of weak i'll lyric yeah. first couple i actually like i regret nothing i'll get into that but uh, right. the second track is called my own 
I don't have much notes on this one. This song is more of the same, but they add uh, call and response crew vocals, which the, which was what the uh, first song was definitely missing. This uh, adds yeah. a, a dynamic, a familiar dynamic, a good dynamic to their sound. I can uh, I could I could parse this a little more. The first song just sounds like nonsense to me. This song where it's coming together, we could uh, we could we could get some seeds of the youth crew going on. But outside of that, it's still kind of a mediocre bullshit song. Yeah, sometimes like sometimes you hear like a snippet of one of these bands and realize that everyone in the bands that maybe a little bit of a ringer because they're a little bit competent at their like they don't sound <laughs> like necessarily beginners. Like the bassist and the drummer at the beginning of this are playing kind of by themselves. And it sounds like they could be the backing track of a Go-Go's song or something like New Wave or something like that. It's precise. Like they're actually they might have they might have they might have had a music class in school <laughs> where they like these guys all learned how to play uh, bass guitar together in, a, in some class. But uh, Merlin, the magic man, kills this song. He annihilates the song completely. <laughs> there's there's actually like a halftime kind of like a halftime pre-chorus that could have been hard as nails, but he just chooses to sing over it really strangely. I can't remember the cadence, but I know he's like, if you could only stand in my shoes, man, walk a mile, don't judge me. And it's it's weird that the cadence he hits and the, the sort of like, it's almost like Das Effects he's, or something. He's like, scatting. He's yeah, scatting he's, on the track. Yeah. Some, something. And, uh, and, oh, and then there's like a really, like, there's actually like a good like rock and roll part. And then he's like, talk is cheap, but I pay the dues over the top of that. And it just stops being hard the way he sings. But uh, I kind of like the way they decide to end on like a darker, spookier part. It gets a little bit more moody and stuff towards the end. But of course, like that's when Merlin decides he's going to talky talk, which is always <laughs> the wrong choice. 100% of the time, talky hardcore is the wrong choice. So they ended the song <laughs> on the wrong choice. Uh, the last track on Side Rebel is called I Regret Nothing. my favorite song on the record this is um and it's basically because i don't think it's cool to say you regret nothing i don't think like it's the way they say it he's, he's very proud he says i regret nothing and <laughs> i don't think you like you're you're not supposed to be like that you're supposed to be humble and be like yes you know maybe yeah. I, there's some things in life i do regret mm -hmm. um but he's very boastful about not regretting anything <laughs> that is uh that's like a very republican kind of stance to have yeah, now like no regrets, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no regrets bro like just like he just like it it kind of comes off like that i know it's a different time but i like it i like you know that he's just like i regret nothing and being like yeah. you know 19 years old like what do you have to fucking regret anyways but <laughs> um no real highlight lyrics outside of just being like i regret nothing over and over again mm -hmm. um you know, he's just, he doesn't, I, I, I assume 
Because he says, and when I look back on things, I regret nothing. Life is a hard teacher to these lessons I cling. Uh, so it's not, I don't think it's specifically about straight edge. Like when I, when I hear somebody proudly saying, I regret nothing, I assume he means like uh, all the friends he left behind for boozing. But I don't yeah. even think it's that. I just think he just, you know, he's very proud of not regretting anything, which is, uh, again, kind of a shitty Republican <laughs> way of looking at things. But I, I enjoy a song like that. Uh, this song also has, so far, the most variety of old, recognizable hardcore parts. Mm-hmm. So I like that about it. It has the cool circle pit chorus. Um, it's definitely a bopper. They could have cut out the second re- reprise because basi- they basically just do the whole song over again. And it's like... And you're saying like the same fucking lyrics, man. Like this is literally the same song over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it gives the kids another chance to dance, and uh, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, you want to give the kids a chance to dance. But for the record version, I would just cut off that whole second song. Uh, and then there's a Star Wars sample at the end, which again sounds <laughs> kind of sped up. It doesn't. Yeah. Maybe they were. Maybe they knew about the copyright strikes that would come <laughs> in the future, and they're like, let's speed this up a little so yeah. uh, we don't get a copyright claim in the future. Yeah. I, I kind of think maybe this is supposed to be like I don't regret it because it I learned from it, okay. like uh, you know I made mistakes and I'm learning from them so I don't regret the mistakes I made, which is still it's like one of those rise and grind entrepreneur Twitter guys or something <laughs> like you just got alpha you got to be alpha bro you got to wake <laughs> up in the morning you got to do a hundred pushups you got to eat like a, a, a raw steak and then you got to make a billion dollars uh, so it's still pretty Republican. Uh, the only thing I want to say about this song is that the chorus part, like really, really suddenly, goes into this major key circus rock part. That's an incredible choice. That's it doesn't it's nothing like it happens anywhere else on the record. Uh, there's all the, there's all kinds of dramatic rock and roll breakdowns in the song that are pretty sick, but nothing stacks up to that one part that sounds like it could be in a ska core song or like or, or like mind funk. It could be in a mind funk song. So go ahead and look up mind funk if you don't think about this stupid shit all day like me. Uh, then we flip over the record, and of course. You got a Star Wars themed record. You got two sides. One of those sides is going to be the dark side. That's yep. this side. This is the dark side. Uh, <laughs> nothing yeah. dark about it. It's just that's the name because that's that's you know it's a Star Wars thing. Uh, first track is called "Hand of Inspiration." off with the uh, patented strife acoustic intro mm-hmm. and, uh, strife popularized but they they fuck it all up by uh it doesn't get heavy it's just like it goes into like another youth crew song you, <laughs> you do the acoustic intro gotta be heavy after it was yeah just, that should just, be just, the breakdown man that should yeah be hard shit. yeah this just it still goes back into the pop pop pop, pop 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 like it's nothing you can't write an acoustic thing ruined it you fucked it up um so i guess you know i could have put two and together two and two together because this song is about others I guess straight edge bands. I I don't know if it's 
specifically straight edge bands, but it's about it's basically a song about hardcore bands and how cool hardcore bands. And the chorus is "You're my endless battery," and yeah. I was like, I don't think they could be that literal to be r- really referencing the band Battery. But lo and behold, they were. This is just oh a, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is just a tribute song to the band Battery. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just you gave me the inspiration to fight. You gave me my hardcore pride. You gave me my inspirational heart. You gave me a reason to start. You're, yeah. From your words, from your thoughts, you're my endless battery. From your shows, from your hearts, you're my endless battery. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, a battery tribute song, which I don't, I would really like to, I'm sure Battery has heard it. I'm sure they've sent them a seven inch. <laughs> I would like to know how they felt about that because that's really they strange. Don't so. they, don't talk, <laughs> they don't talk about it. They don't talk about this. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty strange. Um, this is, uh, this has like the first real slow kind of two step kind of creepy call part to it. It's probably my favorite part from this genre of music. Uh, so I'm glad they had at least one song with it. Should have had all songs with it, but but that's about it. This is a decent song, but um, it's kind of creepy, like writing a <laughs> like a tribute song to a band that I <laughs> believe was still active at the time. So uh, kind of weird. From your words, <laughs> from your thoughts, you're my endless battery. I think this intro is something because it sounds like it should go into that Kenny Loggins song about Winnie the Pooh. Like, yeah, back I kinda... in the days of Christopher Robin. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of downplayed it. The, the acoustic part is like uh, it is not the the strife part is if I recall correctly, it's pretty you know pretty standard, pretty meat yeah. potatoes. These guys really put their heart into this yeah. acoustic intro. This was like, everybody uh, got a guitar and everybody <laughs> had to. St- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this goes into one of my favorite hardcore grooves for just a few measures before they don't do it anymore, and then yeah, then they just launch into a song about how much they like the band Battery in song form and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're trying to fool anyone. This is this is a tongue bath. This song is a tongue bath for another <laughs> band. And uh, I I do like the big swinging slow part before the end. And he goes, "We will never get enough. Come on!" Like he's in the Scorpions or something. I like that. Come on! <laughs> Doesn't happen anywhere else in the record. Okay. Uh, next track. Sorry. Next track is positive. It's just called positive. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of redundant. Kind of redundant yeah. to just call a song positive. Um, on the dark does, side of your record, nonetheless. Yes. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, it does contain the lyrics, I am not a doc. I do not prescribe. You are not forced, and it is no hype. It feel, <laughs> It just feels right. It just feels good. It just feels aqua. Uh, life, <laughs> <laughs> living positive, that is my root. Life is better. People seem nicer. You will feel great. You will feel much wiser. This is uh, very cultish. So it'd be like yeah. you just have to live positive and uh you'll feel those things i don't know if that's true um the song is uh pretty much all business though it's just uh just fucking straight banging on all the instruments there's a quick slow part kind of at the end but outside of that it's just all it's all all gas no brakes 
it's fine. It's kind of uh, the throwaway song. It's still, I think they still like it more than the first couple tracks, but it's uh, it's not really uh, inspired outside of yeah. <laughs> singing another song about positivity, but that's about it. This is probably my favorite straight ahead doofus straight edge song I've ever heard. <laughs> it's really, it's really goofy. I think it does the speedy gang vocals better than any of their tracks. I can't remember any examples, but I just remember listening to it saying, oh, like I like that this, they're doing, bah, 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 you know, they're like jumping in. <laughs> And I deeply love that the lyrics are just like, you know, do it, man. Be straight edge. No reason. Just do it. It feels good. I'm not your fucking doctor, bro. Just do it. Be straight edge. And, uh, you know, when I was straight edge, I was super uptight and routinely cruel and callous to my friends. So this song is wrong. It's not It's not very positive to be straight edge. It's probably uh, the other way. But I like what it's selling. I like the message that it's giving you. Uh, and then the final track is Kids of 98. curveball on the record this starts off with an unlikely post-punk part sounds yeah. like they're about to do a post-punk song and then it just goes kind of into like a this it goes from like a post-punk part which they don't revisit at all it's just like real quick and then it just goes into the actual most traditional youth crew song on the entire record it's uh it's pretty pretty much cut and paste paint by numbers type of yeah. youth crew um it even has the part where the the guy's speaking like in a gorilla biscuit song um and uh, you could just imagine, like, in the the real real life at the show, it's just like him and like all his friends, and they have their arms around each other, and they're all chugging sodas and mm-hmm. doing goofy straight edge shit. Like, you could just <laughs> imagine that happening during this little talking part in this. But at the end of the day, I assume this is the real crowd pleaser. This has all the tricks, all the youth crew tricks in it. It has uh, the big choruses, the kids, the kids, the kids of '98, and yeah. uh, it's um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of that. We'll never give in. Like, it's a lot of like big crew parts like that that you just want to sing along to i thought this was some kind of answer back song because he says um now 10 years have gone by and we're still standing side by side so i was like was that was like did youth of today have a song called kids of 88 or something but they don't <laughs> so this is just like no. uh it's kind of like a sequel to, to an imaginary song or something but but uh yeah it's uh it's good that <laughs> they're really proud of uh i guess having a band 10 years after the peak of this this music kind of weird but uh you know i guess gotta be proud of something gotta be positive about something i like this song it's uh probably if you are more attuned to this music it's probably the most standard bullshit song on the record to you but uh that's what that's what i want from this music i want standard bullshit so i i enjoy this song well i think the Bandcamp page for this record points out that they ended the record with an oi song uh so this is oi oh come on that's oi <laughs> mike it's on it's in it's in print and you and you and i are experts in oi in training yeah. Uh, we're on our way to being experts. So we're qualified to say that whether or not this is oi, it's weird to end your hard and fast youth crew album with an oi song or something <laughs> even that's even close. But hey, why not? You know, I don't think Battery ever had the balls to play an oi song. Fuck them. You guys did it. Uh, 
the thing is that I, I don't really remember because I wasn't really paying attention to this side of the, of the of the argument at the time. But in the late '90s, I think most hardcore kids still thought "Oi" was Nazi music, didn't we? But yeah, I mean, I don't know about in the Netherlands, but yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, we hadn't really cleared that up. Like a lot of people were messing with it back then. But I, like, I, if you asked me about "Oi," I was like, "Oh, like screwdriver?" I would just you know, like, a, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like romper stomper, okay. <laughs> if I even played this for me back then, I would have thought it sounded like Joan Jett. Like this sounds like Joan Jett. So it's a Joan Jett cover. This is cool. I like this song. It's fine. <laughs> it's a good ending. Uh, there you have it. There's uh, six full tracks by Product X, and uh, you know I don't really have much uh, much else to add to that. That's the record. Um, I usually do a little, little review, a little uh, judgment, which is uh, rating scale of either throw it in the trash. Buy it for bar. Or, sorry, throw it in the trash. Uh, listen to it on streaming. Buy it for bargain bin prices. Buy it for full price, or buy it for collector's prices. Um, this one, I'm gonna say, unless you are building that that uh, Commitment Records straight uh, straight edge seven inch collection that you can keep forever and pass on to your your straight edge children at some point, <laughs> I would just stream this. I uh, I'm you know I'm not a Commitment Records historian. But I feel like there's either much better music on that record label or much more hilarious music on that. Yeah, this is probably kind of in the middle where you would have to be super into the shit, like non-ironically, to I think really appreciate this record. And I am I am not the one when it comes to that. This is this is uh I saw this I picked this up full disclosure for like fifty cents and I was just like because I had like all the I, I had all the commitment record stuff on my want list and I was like the first one that pops up I'm gonna buy. This was fifty cents. It was the right price. Um, the cover, you know, I was really, I was re- I really enraptured by the cover. I was like, this is going to be super horrible, but it's not, it's not super horrible. It's fine for what it is. Um, it's a little more interesting music wise than I expected. Not, not necessarily better, but it's uh, a little more interesting. So I would say just stream it along with uh, the other 75,000 commitment records releases on their band camp. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. That would be amazing if you became the world's premier commitment records curator just by virtue of this podcast and like buying them all for 50 cents a piece like oh shit i got them all <laughs> wow cool well like i said yeah gray from demolition uh they did they have a patreon only commitment records episode i don't i don't you know i i like being rich so i don't yeah, yeah, subscribe yeah. to patreons because that's how you that's how you stay rich is uh yeah. not doing patreon <laughs> so i've never heard it so i don't know if they really I, I believe they go over every single release though so they are they are the current leaders the current historians of commitment records but there's no reason we can't muscle our way in for free yeah we, you, people have to charge five dollars to get their historian views we yeah. get a we'd muscle in there for free <laughs> Uh, I think musically this is okay. It's like I, I'm kind of vocals first, so the fact that he reminds me of Civ a little bit, it just makes me feel like I'm listening to like a maybe earlier, angrier Gorilla Biscuits before they got mm-hmm. good. And uh, that's the right choice. The shouty vocals on this are the right choice. Uh, ditching the rapper, I assume, the Dutch rapper, I assume, <laughs> had to be the right choice. But, uh, yeah, I feel like this is a little hollow. There's like the lyrics seem pretty first draft, and the music seems really careful, like a bunch of talented people – we're like, hey, so let's do a straight edge hardcore punk band, friends. <laughs> Come together. And um, the bio throws a bit of a wrench into that because it, it kind of gives you an idea that they evolved. You know, yeah. that they started out young and then evolved. So it doesn't sound on the, you know, on, on the spot. But either way, three quarters of them drifted professionally into full-time cosplay and role-playing. So I feel like I'm right. I feel like all, all these guys... You know, they pretend to be something else for a living. And um, I think there's something in this where they, they did a good job, but like a kid who makes a real a real live walking light up mecca 
with firing rockets for Comic-Con. <laughs> like it's it's still made of like Sculpey and cardboard at the end of the day. It's not an actual mecha. So I give this three cloud buster swords out of five and I'm deleting point two for having a whack oi song at the end. So uh three point eight or two point eight. <laughs> I, I don't think it's an oi song, but you know, that's what they want it to be. <laughs> it's an oi song, fine. It's uh it's 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 good. I would put it on my oi playlist. If it's uh, <laughs> that's the case, I'm gonna add it to the oi playlist right after we get done and I search for the, the Cold Steel video, the Saber, the Practical state Saber video. I'll put it on there. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what we're doing. I know uh, Patrick, a listener Patrick, is sending us some records. I don't know if they're going to get here in time. So I'm going to hold out for a couple of days. And it's fucking Christmas anyways. It'll probably be something easy. Yeah. Um, we're recording. We'll be recording the, the day after Christmas. I'm sure Scott is going to be putting together wagons and uh, horses and stuff for his kid. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, you know he's gonna be tired, so I'm gonna try and find something easy. <laughs> uh, but uh, until then, uh, we'll talk to you next week, Scott. Do you have any last words? I just can't believe True Witches won the World Cup, and oh. I'd like for listeners to reach out to me with any other sports where witches or Draculas are making a real difference. <laughs> if you know of any sports like that, let me know. I want to know. That. There you go. Fuck Charlie Dane. Fuck Charlie. Dane. It's the most. Wonderful time of the With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you Be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the Holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoe and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the Stories and tales of the glories of Christmas is long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year.
little hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near.